From pediatrics to geriatrics, Maine Medical Center is centered around you. Welcome to MMC Radio, your trusted source for healthcare news and tips. Here's Melanie Cole. Premature birth is a serious health problem that's costing the U.S. billions each year. And working to find ways to identify babies who are likely to have neurological abnormalities is certainly the goal of my next guest. My guest is Dr. Alexa Craig. She's a pediatric neonatal neurologist with Maine Medical Center. Welcome to the show, Dr. Craig. Tell us a little bit about cerebral palsy. What is it and what are some of the early signs of it? Well, thanks for having me on. Cerebral palsy is a disorder of the movements of the body that's caused by an injury to the brain. And one of the most challenging parts about cerebral palsy is identifying it before a child is about 18 months to two years old uh, because the signs can be very subtle up until that time. What is a parent to look for? Um, It's kind of hard for a parent to pick up on cerebral palsy, but I think the easiest thing for parents to look for would be a child who's not meeting their expected developmental milestones, things along the order of maybe the child isn't sitting up by seven months or not walking by 12 to 15 months. Okay, so those milestones, we, we hear about those from our pediatricians, and yet parents get nervous. Are milestones, you know, pretty well set? Do they generally happen for babies around the same time? Yeah, the milestones are pretty well established, um, and I think certainly if a parent has concern, the first person they should bring that concern to would be their pediatrician or family practice doctor. Um, but I think, um, you know, there are certain children who we know are at much higher risk for cerebral palsy, and those are uh, infants that are born very prematurely. The more prematurely you're born, the higher the risk. Um, so some of the projects that we're working on here at Maine Med are really focusing on how to identify those very high-risk babies before they even leave the hospital. So tell us what's previously been done to detect cerebral palsy in infants at such a young age so that, you know, to maximize that early intervention, which will in turn improve outcomes. What's previously been done and now what's changing? Well, there's a lot of research currently um, in, you know, in America utilizing high technological things like magnetic resonance imaging or what people have probably commonly heard of as MRI and getting these images on babies and looking at the development of the brain. Um, It's a very effective way to study this, but the problem is it's also a very expensive technology and and, uh, difficult to justify the implementation of that for every single baby that's in the neonatal intensive care unit. Um, What we're doing in our study is observing the movements of the baby, and it's a really uh, almost cost-free intervention. The only thing we need to do is to pay the charges to train the people to look at the movements. And what we can tell is with certain patterns of movements that there's a much higher risk for cerebral palsy and then make sure that those infants get plugged into developmental follow-up before they even leave the neonatal intensive care unit. How long do you have to watch for those changes in movements before you can make a diagnosis? Well, you typically don't, you know, a neurologist is usually the one who makes the diagnosis, so we wouldn't make the diagnosis in the neonatal ICU. We would say to the family, this is a baby that we're concerned about and we want to follow up closely. Um, And then we would see them, you know, when they're three months old, probably again when they're six months old, and again when they're about 12 months old, um, and then ongoing if they continue to need interventions. But 
um, when they leave the NICU, we have probably watched at least two or three one- to two-minute video clips of the babies, and that gives us enough information about the pattern of movement to tell us whether it's a high-risk baby or a low-risk baby. It would be so scary for a parent, Dr. Craig, to hear this. So how is and what are some of the things that are going on today in cerebral palsy research and treatment? What's the treatment look like out there? Well, as you can probably imagine, I have to present this kind of bad news all the time to parents. And it is really hard and it's terrifying for them. But what I try to emphasize to these parents is that knowing early, knowing before the child leaves the NICU, gives them a tremendous power to access that early intervention that you just mentioned because there is absolutely no substitution for that early intervention because what we can do is we can essentially rewire the brain. We can help the brain learn to use other pathways to kind of uh, go around the injured areas of the brain, and we can have children who have very significant brain injuries doing things you would have never suspected they would be capable of because of that rewiring that happens uh, from those early intervention therapies. So I really try to emphasize to the parents, while it's a scary thing to learn about now, you know, when your child is so small and, and really before you can even see this happening in the child, what it does is it allows us to really um, improve the long-term outcomes um, really substantially. Um, Another example of that is a uh, type of therapy that we're now doing called constraint-induced movement therapy. And what that does is it allows a child who, for, you know, reasons most commonly of stroke, they can't use one side of their body very well. We actually um, retrain the body to use the side that's not working through all of these uh, different therapies and make it so that eventually the child has really two very almost normal functioning hands instead of just one. And what is life like for these children as they grow older and these developmental, you know, situations? Do they, are they able to mainstream pretty well, especially with the early intervention? A lot of children who have cerebral palsy have um, very near normal or normal cognitive function, so they can do math and spelling and they can learn like other children. Um, and so what they mostly have is... Um, barriers in terms of their ability to keep up with their peers running on the playground, those sorts of things. Um, With the early intervention, what we're able to do is overcome some of the tone issues that they have in terms of, you know, muscles being too tight to really allow the arm and the leg to work particularly well. And that allows them to do more and keep up with their peers better. Um, And I think that the more, you know, we, people often think, well, you, you kind of just want to hope that it'll go away and, and, and hope that the child is going to get better all by and What I find is that if we really focus on it early and we get all those interventions in place, we can speed up that whole process so that by the time the kid is aware that anything is different about that kid, things are not that different from that kid to their peers anymore. What research is going on in the world of cerebral palsy today? Uh, there's a tremendous amount of research, you know, ranging from uh, therapies like um, what we were describing with the constraint-induced movement therapy to lots and lots of different ways of imaging, uh, like with MRI, to predict whether or not children are going to have cerebral palsy. And then there's other types of studies going on, you know, uh, in other countries. I'm not sure there's that much going on here with uh, implantation of stem cells, even to see if we can regenerate 
um, you know, some of these tracks um, in the brain that way. Um, and what we're trying to do here in, at Maine Med is to focus on how we can do something that's available to all babies at low cost to make sure nobody gets missed from these early intervention opportunities. In just the last minute, Dr. Craig, if you would, tell the listeners why they should come to Maine Medical for their pediatric neurological care. <laughs> well, we're the only pediatric neurologist in the state, so that's kind of easy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, uh, there are four of us that uh, take care of um, all the needs of, the, of pediatric neurology unless the families go to Boston. And I would like to think that at least here in our neonatal intensive care unit, we have exactly the same services here that you could get anywhere else. So there's no need to go to Boston, and I think that really says a lot about what we're providing here. Thank you so much. It's great information, really fascinating. You're listening to MMC Radio. For more information, you can go to mainmedicalcenter.org. That's mainmedicalcenter.org, mmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.